Before the start of this next episode, I wanted to thank you all for taking the time to listen, comment, share and give me feedback on this podcast, Protect and Serve. When I set out on this journey to create a new and fresh podcast on the lives of our men and women in policing, I would never have thought it would have received as much support as it has. My goal now is to get more and more people to support the show, so I in turn can support two incredible organisations, PTSD 999 and Trojan Wellbeing, both supporting men and women of our emergency services who are affected by mental health from the challenges they face in their professional lives. So please, if you haven't already, like, follow and share the show so we can all help those that help us when we need it most. It means so much to me and it means so much to them. Thank you. Well, welcome to another bonus episode of the Protect and Serve podcast, and these seem to be coming out thick and fast, and it's only really because there's just absolutely so much going on in policing that uh, I think there's plenty to talk about, and the reason for this little bonus episode is to talk about the challenges the Met has faced in the last few days around the incident in Croydon buses and tickets and people's non-compliance and the police's response to supporting TfL. And to help me sort of guide us through these events accurately and to provide some context as to kind of what we expect and, 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 and kind of what's gone wrong for the Met in terms of responding to this incident, which to me seems quite simplistic in nature fundamentally. And it seems to have got overcomplicated and quite frankly has... Um, been a bit of a Twitter storm. Rory Gagan, welcome to the podcast. You're going to help guide us through this issue. I suppose, first and foremost, should we give those that may not be aware of this, quite strangely, some context and background as to what happened? Yeah, good morning, Oliver. Um, look, it's great to be here. Uh, founder of the Public Safety Foundation that I am, it feels uh, I feel duty-bound to um, join you in this and to talk about it. So, and jump in if I've missed something or glossed over something. But it it sounds as though it was just another day in Croydon. There was um, what sounds like a pre-planned operation to check tickets and obviously detect fare evasion on some of London's buses. Um, and it sounds a lot like it was a TfL and Met Police operation. TfL, of course, pay some money to the Met to have uh, essentially dedicated resource to help them with things like fare evasion on the public transport network. And it sounds, again, from the reporting and whatnot, that a woman was on the bus uh, and as people were alighting from said bus, they were being asked to provide, obviously, proof of either having a ticket or authority or permit to travel. And this particular woman apparently just, you know, either refused to provide those, uh, you know, comply with that request and or just proceeded to walk off. Um, which obviously happens probably all the time. Uh, you know, it's a shame we don't have a fair inspector with us today, but I'm sure if they were here, they'd probably say this happens all the time. This happens every time we do one of these operations. Um, and that's probably that's probably the gist of it. So if you remember the public walking by or remember the public on the bus, you'd probably see this and you'd just think, oh, just show your ticket. Just why have you not, you know, just if you've got a ticket, show a ticket. If you haven't got a ticket, you haven't got one. I mean, and whilst we're on the subject of having a ticket or not, I mean, the penalties for this anyway, I mean, the I think that the typical um, sort of response, if you will, to not having a ticket is an £80 penalty notice. I think that gets reduced to 40 if it's paid within, I think, 21 days. So, you know, hardly the end of the world, right? Hardly, you know, you're not off to the gulag. You're not off to, you know, sort of, you know, you're not being transported to Australia or something. You know, no offence to any Aussies listening. But, you know, you, you, you know the, the consequences of... of uh, 
of, of going along with the process are not severe. And in this case, it sounds as though the woman, ironically, did indeed have a ticket. Um, and so all the more reason to sort of ask, I suppose, why, why wouldn't you just therefore, on request, show your ticket? And I think for the purposes of context for people listening to this, we are not... Uh, uh, we haven't had access to any other footage other than what everybody's seen, which is this social media classic TikTok video of a lady getting very angry and sort of resisting to cooperate at all with the police. She appears to be, at the time, from what I can see, in handcuffs, or at least one handcuff is on one of her wrists. And there's obviously, and quite tragically, and I think this is probably one of the more serious elements of this, there is a young child who is clearly very distressed that his mother is having a, a very negative interaction, to say the least, with police, but is being comforted by a PCSO. Um, so I think, you know, that does play on one's mind in terms of, A, how do we communicate with these with, 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 with people more generally? You know, just because there's children there, should we still be enforcing laws? Should we just be allowing these people to walk away? There's a million different questions which people are going to ask around this in terms of this whole piece. And then to add an extra layer of complexity around this, obviously and quite clearly there's been the Casey report which has identified that police in the Met are institutionally racist and that people from the black community get isolated, identified, and they get treated in a completely different way to others in the community. So I think there's that whole contextual piece that the police have to try and navigate um, on top of this, which I think has compounded this. Because if we take away that issue, we're dealing with an individual who has refused to show a bus ticket and is being dealt with by TfL. TfL then can't handle the situation, so the police get involved. And then as a result of a normal social media video, which goes absolutely viral, the police then, in my view, really struggle with the comms piece to outline to the community, to us, to everybody, what on earth went on. Am I right there? Yes and no, I think. So I think I think you're right to flag that, obviously, what's different. So if this happens every day in London, to some degree or other, someone not paying a fare, I think what's different here is, as you say, there was a clip. Mm. It was obviously, um, you know, only a portion of the incident. It was a portion in which the woman was getting very upset, very angry. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, and wh- who knows what was driving that, right? But the point is it, it made for sort of good social media content, as it were, which then generates millions of views. And I suppose, yeah, that's probably where we get into maybe our first, um, our first issue for the Met is do they even have proactive monitoring of um, these sorts of events? Do they, you know, it was, I think anyone seeing this video would have clearly recognised the, if not the the certainty with which this was going to uh, ignite on social media, then certainly the likelihood mm. of it. And so for me, that's probably the first question is, you know, when, if this was to happen again today, and as I say, there's probably, unless, you know, unless a diktat's gone out saying we're not going to do bus fare evasion anymore, then this will be happening again today. Um, in terms of someone not paying a fare. So what what actual proactive monitoring do they have? They don't seem to have much. Um, you know, you look at the timing of this, it took them, you know, at least, uh, you know, well, they never, I don't think they've ever got to the right place in terms of the comms response to this. And just for the just for the sort of comedy value, really, I, I fired up at the old chat GPT and I asked it to draft a press release for the police explaining <laughs> explaining why why they enforce fare <laughs> evasion and honestly the press release that chat gpt produced was better i'm afraid to say than what the met managed over several iterations because of course we had we had the first i think the first statement which i can't even find anymore i think it, it got deleted as, as subsequent statements took hold then we had a statement i think from the head mm. of the road transport police and command the bit of the bit that oversees the bit of the Met that is uh, sort of paid for from TfL, um, and that didn't really offer much in the way of um, that was that was a chief super correct detective chief super um, acknowledging the distress in the video, you know, looking to make contact with the female in question to understand the wider circumstances, and given the level of public concern, we'll be asking the IOPC to review the circumstances, and we're working very closely with obviously everyone. Um, so that was like the, one of the first like proper sort of statements that came out. And then obviously we had the subsequent one with Matt Twist, um, which again, I think fell short. And so for me, ChatGPT was for the win here. I mean, honestly, I'll, I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll share it with you after, Ollie, and you can maybe link it to the <laughs> podcast. But for me, there was, there was a real failure of comms. There wasn't really any explanation as to why they do these operations, what the public benefit is, what the public interest is. And I suppose on a slight slightly more sort of political, I suppose, aside, 
it's interesting, isn't it? 13 years into something professing vaguely to be a Conservative government, no mention of personal responsibility, no mention really of the obligations you do have as a, you know, if you're going to go on public transport, you do have certain obligations and you are freely entering into them, right? The, the TfL conditions of carriage, now nobody, you know, apart from nerds like myself, you know, nobody's probably bothered to look at, you know, the, the, the conditions of carriage. But having a ticket, I, and, and, and if asked for a ticket, you know, providing it, and then if not having a ticket or not providing it, you're asked for your name and address. I mean, those seem fairly common sense kind of obligations to be under. So so I think the fact that there was no real effort to shore up the why of these operations, the why as to, you know, why you should comply, why we expect people to comply, why it's good for society and good for public safety to comply, I think just, just I suppose to a degree, it reveals either a timidity at the heart of the Met or it reveals else a kind of just a complete failure to grasp the very philosophy of like why we have the police and why we have rules and why we expect people to follow them. So for me, I suppose that's been a stark um, revelation. Um, uh, and then I guess the, the the final piece for me on on the comms too is there's obviously body-worn video, or there, I imagine there will be body-worn video from this incident. I think in the video you can see the guys and girls on the street have body-worn video. And so there's a question here of, you know, we expect our police to be transparent and accountable and in in some ways they are in other ways they fall short and you know we could have a whole season on that but i think this is one case where that body worn video which again i would imagine was reviewed by you know whoever was picking this job up in the senior um team will have will have thought well let's review the body worn video and I think in the statement, there's a in one of the statements, there was a, a, you know an assertion made that you know there was no signs of any misconduct or there was there was no concerns of of that nature, which suggests that body worn video was viewed. I think we've seen in West Mids recently there was a great example from Coventry where they released some body worn video to to give some of that wider context around you know a dog that was I think being put in a put in a wheelie bin because what else do you do with a dangerous dog when you're not equipped with the tools to deal with a dangerous dog? Uh, so fair play to the officers there, but also fair play to the the force and whoever else was involved in, in getting that video out. And so I think this is another classic example of where some body-worn video, some prompt comms, and just having having some courage, I suppose. You know, there's you know the, the men and women who go up against fair evaders, some of them, as we've seen, can be a, a bit aggressive, abusive, and, and, and worse in some cases. Um, you know, they've got the courage every day to keep going out and doing their job. Where's the courage from the leadership is what I'd, I'd be asking. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it seems to be this almost this fear to stand up for your troops you know they were they were operating lawfully with tfl supporting their challenges i think the numbers around about 136 million a year is lost in travel revenue on the transport for london network which is a phenomenal amount of money and that needs to be policed both with tfl and as you say the level of resistance and abuse they get does require some level of support whether it be by the met btp or whatever force can support them in terms of you know that that issue and then not to come out because it was quite a simple issue. We asked for a ticket. The person said no. They became abusive and obnoxious. They were detained temporarily by police. Yes, they were arrested. We found out they had a ticket. They were de-arrested and they went on their way. That's it, period. We were doing right. our job, you know, right. and right. instead we've made this big circus, you know, like when you look at the numbers, the video that was actually filmed got something like 45 million views. You know, um, tweets that have come out from people. I put out a couple of tweets in terms of the transparency of body worn camera. 65,000 views. These are massive issues which people think should be front of mind in terms of putting these matters to bed very quickly. Otherwise, they just draw out for days and days and days. And before you know it, the Met, who should be dealing with serious and organized crime and, and, and massive issues right across the department, are having to spend days and days drafting statements around some woman who wouldn't show her bus ticket. Right. And and I I think what um I mean there's a couple of things, isn't there? One is even if even if so in this case, again, we've not seen the full incident, but even if this woman in this particular case had had had, had just not said anything, even if she'd stayed really calm, really zen, and had just failed to comply with it all, she should still end up getting arrested. Um you know, that's the that's the bottom line, right? Like if you're on a bus or you're on a train or a tram or whatever and you are asked for your ticket and you you literally don't provide it, even if you even if you have one. The point is you you've been asked for it. You haven't provided it. And again, like obviously there's a 
there are some attempts to suggest or there's assertions that this is sort of racially based obviously i don't know i wasn't in the minds of anyone there and all the rest of it but you know if this was a white person i would be expecting it to happen the interesting point there is the tfl enforcement chap in the video is a man of color he's a black man and and he's doing his job correct correct and th- and there was a reason they were there and as it turned out they 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 dealt with the <laughs> when when that reason arrived they they dealt with it and and certainly from anything i've seen I, I i don't i don't see any misconduct in any of it i don't see any misstep by the officers on the ground you know th- there was a child present and again you you touched on this earlier you know should should carrying a child with you absolve you of any personal responsibility no if anything it should add personal responsibility to you right because you're not just responsible for yourself but you're also responsible for the child um you know and so so for me it's kind of it's distressing to see obviously that child getting upset and and it feels as though the world is cleaving into two sort of spheres right Mm. there are the group of people who would say that um well you know that child was upset and that was the fault of the police and this whole thing was the fault of the police and so on and so on and then we get into kind of yeah the, the issues of race and so on too and then there's another group of people going what on earth? Of course the police should be dealing with this stuff. Of course X, Y, Z. Of course. Whose fault is it for you know the child becoming upset in the way that they did? Well, it's the mum's fault. It's the woman's fault for not actually going, yeah, here's my ticket. Or, oh, well, I'm not sure if it's scanned. You know, who knows? Maybe she tapped it, and it or I don't know what payment method she used, but you know, potentially she scanned it. She didn't think it scanned, but she thought, I'll chance it. You know, who, who knows what went on? But the point is, you have a child with you. You're an adult. You're a parent. You know, allowing your child to see you in that state and allowing your child to become distressed, therefore, I'm sorry, like, that's not on the officers. The officers can, of course, act sensitively and compassionately and professionally and all of those things. And and to be honest, from what I saw, I don't see any sign that they didn't. They were also obviously present. They had a police community support officer who was obviously doing their best to, you know, nurse that child and address that child. Um, mm. But let's also like mm. not kid ourselves, right? Like I think anyone who's worked in policing for more than two minutes will have come across people who do, and I'm not saying this is the case in this particular case, but it does happen, where people do seek to weaponize their children in an attempt to get out of justice, in an attempt to you know have an easier time we see that with you know we that see it with some the of the organized begging gangs we see it you know i don't know mm. whether it happened in this case but county we lines see yeah county lines we see it where people smuggle drugs into prison and they put it with their baby mm. you know like let's not kid ourselves that you know some people do act according to different standards and norms and laws and all the rest of it and so you know to expect the police to sort of go oh well let's not bother let's let let's let this one go because why because we want an easy life well i'm sorry that's not why we have the police we don't have the police in order for them to have an easy life and i think this is where i do find myself you know sort of really quite frustrated by the state of the comms back from you know the the institution because if i was one of those officers i'd be like well hang on i was i was literally doing my job i was literally doing my job it'd have been nothing easier than to have turned around to the tfl guy and gone nah mate not interested not interested not paid enough (laughs) <laughs> you know like you know, see you later or oh. sorry i'm busy sorry i'm bit you know i've got another job to go you know I, th- this is mad and the fact the fact that the fact that nobody has even gone on camera you know aside from andy i think andy Britton, the the commander for um let me get it right because it's one of those classic metisms where the geography makes no sense south bcu whatever south is i don't know is that is that the whole of south london is that south of somewhere is that i don't know residents of south that are listening yeah residents of south that are listening your chief super is andy Britton. now you know i'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy but you know again none of none of the comms none of the comms supported the troops none of them it all rapidly became about listening, 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 and I don't know. I don't know whether I don't know whether the minds at Scotland Yard have become infected with some sort of virus, some sort of mind virus that requires them to just endlessly listen. But we're we're ten months, probably headed now towards eleven months, I'd guess, into a new commissionership, into what has become known as a new Met for London, and we're still in this sort of listening space. You know, I, I it, it blows my mind. It really does that a simple job, this is a simple job that honestly, you could give this a role play to a special constable. You could give them the day one. Here's, here's a test. We're going to test you. <laughs> Deal with the fare evasion, uh, right? And you know what? I would I would fail them if they'd done anything <laughs> different to these guys. 
the use of handcuffs. Of course oh. you're going to use handcuffs. Of co- if someone is thrashing about, if someone is like trying to get away, that's what they're there for. That, that, that is literally the point of having them. Uh, and yet, you know, none of that gets talked about. It's all been bundled off to the IOPC. Who knows what... Have the officers been served with misconduct notices? Who knows? Frankly, at this point, who cares? There's so much bigger issues going on here. It's, it's, it's quite staggering. Um, you know, and none of this to take away from... Yeah. None of this takes away from the fact that the Met need to sort themselves out. But, you know, just... You know, thoughts thoughts with the boys and girls on the front line, honestly. Good job keeping it up. I mean, I, I saw last night, you know, more knives being found, more knives, stops and searches. You know, good on you, boys and girls. Um, it's a shame the leadership aren't, aren't giving you the support you need, honestly. It is a shame. My concern is if we can't get the small stuff right, if we do have any sort of significant... One thing the Met has always been famous for, and having spoken to some incredible former gold commanders such as Bob Broadhurst... You know, if there's one thing we've always been good at is public order. We've been able to sort our shit out. We've been able to manage decent incidents. And we still can today. There's no denying that. But my worry is if we can't get these small things right around communications, what chance have we got of recovering the larger ones and the more complex ones? Are we really in that position where we can't even get together and where you've got your chief superintendent for a borough coming out and saying, yeah, our comms wasn't great there. You know, if if he's there saying that, that, that the comms were rubbish, you know, it appears to me that the troops have been thrown under the bus, quite frankly, because, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that statement from Matt Twist. I felt it was just, uh, it, it just was very weak in terms of the presence and, and, and the and the job and the role of policing. Regardless of any of the issues, the police's job is to support people, to prevent disorder, you know, allowing people to, you know, safety and security, all that is critical. And there was just none of that messaging. It was just, yeah, you know, it was it looked very bad. It always looks bad. You know, antisocial behavior and where people want to resist and not comply never looks pretty. Resisting arrest never looks pretty. Arresting people that want to go toe to toe never look. None of this stuff looks great, and it makes great social media viewing because it drills into an audience that, for some reason, gets some sort of, you know, um, appetite and, and joy out of it. So I, I really worry about how we're going to manage the bigger issues and the fact that we haven't seen somebody from the senior senior leadership team in front of a camera addressing these issues. Outside of Scotland Yard or in Croydon, I don't know wherever they should choose they wish to stand it is beyond me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, it'd be remiss not to obviously um, shine some light on the mayor's role in this. You know, it's, it's you know, the mayor is responsible for overseeing the police through the mayor's office of policing and crime. And he's also responsible for transport for London. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, allegedly. I mean, I think I think that's written in statute, to be fair. So, you know, I don't think he can slip off this one. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, as you mentioned, hundreds of millions lost in, in fair evasion revenue. There's a TFL, um, you know, revenue enforcement and prosecutions kind of policy that talks about, you know, being proactive in tackling fair evasion and so on and so on. And as we've said probably a million times already, this, this is a simple bread and butter offense it's a simple bread and butter everyday occurrence you know it, it it's up there with what some of us would remember as like i don't know someone not wearing a seatbelt or someone stealing from a shop i mean i know i know hmm. these things are often not seemingly dealt with many of the public would be <laughs> would be like well, it's the shop theft i thought it was decriminalized but you know th- th- this is bread and butter stuff and as you say the fact that the fact that there's no the fact that there's no recognition of the fact that if 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 someone's senior, if someone earning hundreds of thousands of pounds, right, if someone into very significantly into six figures doesn't think it's worth their time to get on the air, to get on the telly and to address this in a, in a very compelling way, then I think there's, there, there is real problems and it, does, it doesn't bode well. And it, for me, it, it speaks to this sort of broken windows point, right, which is, you know, I, I subscribe to the broken windows sort of theory. So, you know, you take care of the little things and, and the big things will be diminished as a result. Um, and so fair evasion, it's bottom of the bottom of the pile. But you only need to look at the the New York uh, experience with Bill Bratton under Bill Bratton, where you know he started in the transit police, and he he put a real emphasis there on the the, the, the equivalent of the tube network. You know, let's go after the people hopping the turnstiles, fair evading. Lo and behold, loads of them have got weapons. Loads of them have got stolen stuff on them. Loads of them have got drugs on them. Loads of them are up to no good because guess what? It's a it's one of those crimes that you know if you're if you're going to go and shank someone for a phone or for fifty p. 
guess what? You probably didn't buy a ticket for the bus or for the train or for whatever means of transport you used. And so for me, there's just how 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 do the Met sort of high command, how do they what is their philosophy for getting crime down in London? Because either they think things like fare evasion are part of it, in which case they should say so, or they definitely think it isn't part of it, in which case they should say so. As it stands, they've sort of just gone, eh, we'll send it to the IOPC and let them decide. Sorry, so now you're basically you're basically outsourcing your you're outsourcing your your leadership, your management, all of it. You're outsourcing your entire everything about you, you're outsourcing to the IOPC. Well, I don't think that's a wise thing to do. I don't think it instills confidence. I don't think it shows strength. Um and, and so back to back to that earlier point, for me there's something here about in London, it should have been very clear. It should have been a nice joint uh, press attempt, press press conference or similar from head of TfL or the mayor and a commissioner or, or or someone in that senior team. There should have been that joint clear presence, you know, shoulder to shoulder. You know what? We, we believe we need to tackle fair evasion. Boom, X, Y, Z. Of course, we'll just make sure that everything's right and proper here. But there's no indications that there was anything untoward. We encourage Londoners to support the police. We encourage Londoners to buy a ticket. And if asked for the purposes of education, you know what? If you're asked for a ticket, show it. <laughs> you know, the worst that will happen is a £40, £40 t- fine, right? So, you know, chill out. Let's move on. You know, we've got bigger fish to fry. But as it stands, we I don't know. I, I I think as you've alluded to on, on one or two of your tweets, you know, I think there'll be a fair few officers thinking, is the Met really where I can and want to police anymore? Matt Twist's statement said, and I quote, the, this incident raises questions about the extent to which officers are having to intervene in this way when supporting TfL in their operations. We will now work with TfL to ensure that the balance is right between officers tackling the most serious crime on the transport network and supporting their own operations to ensure revenue protection. Now, to me, that sounds like the early stages of stepping away from that role. I read that, and I think we're now questioning whether we should be in that environment, because they're saying this is a civil matter. There's no criminality associated to not paying your ticket. Well, I would beg to differ on that one. If you uh, have no intent to pay for a ticket, uh, one would suggest that is a crime, because that's stealing. So I I don't believe it's a a civil matter at all. And I think, as you quite rightly articulated, the people that commit these offences, and we're not talking about this lady on this occasion, because she had a ticket, we're talking more generally here, that if those people that go on to buses and trains who don't want to do this if you don't do the simple things right in life in my view you're not going to do the bigger things right and most people that i would suggest don't pay ticket or storm through the barriers and i've seen it a million times over storm through the barriers at most train stations generally are out there doing not very nice things and they need to be policed and they need the police's attention um and, and these are the people that i fear i, I feel need to fear the police and TfL enforcement for that fact, that if you do ride our trains and you don't have a ticket and you're not going to pay, we will find you and we will deal with you appropriately, period. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that that bit of that statement did concern me because, you know, the the law is clear, right? The the I'm going to get this probably wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like the, I don't know, Public Passenger Vehicles Act of, I don't know, 1980 or 1981 maybe. And then I think there was some, passenger service vehicle regulations from um, 1990. So the law is there and the law is clear that, you know, certain things, if you do not comply, it becomes a criminal offence. So what is concerning is the fact that there does, as you say, seem to be this sort of willing, you know, maybe this is brinkmanship. Maybe this is, maybe the relationship between the Met and the mayor is not where it needs to be. And, you know, this is brinkmanship of, do you know what, if you're not going to, if you're not going to play ball, then we'll, we'll pull our troops from it. In any event, None of this is good for the safety of London. None of this is good for the safety of public transport in London. Um, you know, we've got robbery up, I think, 20% or near enough 20%. We've got other crimes uh, in progress too. So I, t- to me, again, I come back to this is simple bread and butter stuff. And the fact that they're essentially, it's I don't know, what is it, face planting? You know, then they're not much better than face planting at the minute. And they really need to be. And And as we heard, Chief Superintendent Andy Britton saying, you know, the comms weren't very good. No, they weren't. I think uh, the social media footage got out, which kind of only showed a small picture of what took place. And immediately then our comms perhaps could have been slightly better. And then it's kind of cascaded as into quite a big community concern. And I think for me today, it's about listening to the community, understanding their perspective, what it looked like to them. And I think the big thing as well is to try and find the lady involved and to get her side of the story. 
But who's in charge of that, Rory? Who's make who's making those decisions in terms of the comms piece? Because so so if we talk about it, the incident happens, the police identify it's gone viral, and there's huge community backlash. Now I would imagine that's with the borough commander within minutes, if not hours, to say, "Boss, we've got a problem." And then and then who's it going to in the NPS? Is it going to NSY for someone to say, "Listen, this is bigger than just a, a local borough issue. This is now going to go national." Can we please have some help in formulating a response to this? Like, who is accountable? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it does, t- it does, it does. So, of course, the officers involved were, I imagine, safer transport, road transport, policing command, right? So, outside of the purview of the borough commander, but taking place on the borough commander. Now, of course, who is the borough commander? Well, we've discovered Andy Britton is the borough commander, but he's not actually a borough commander. He's a south area. So he's probably got like two or three boroughs to take care of. So, you know, so he's a he's quite a bit removed. Then you've got Rose Transport Policing Command. Well, they probably, they're probably going fair evasion. Don't bother me with fair evasion. I'm more interested in, I don't know, fatal road traffic accidents or, you know, I don't know, serious, serious criminality on the roads network, heaven forbid. Um, and so I, I, I do, I do wonder whether, it's a bit much to expect the local divisions or districts to kind of um, piece this together. I think um, this is why I raised earlier on this point of who centrally is sort of proactively monitoring this. It seems to me like, you know, you need a rapid rebuttal or a rapid, you know, scanning and rebuttal unit or something, right? Where you have algorithms, the tech and the people scanning social media for like these things that are going to go off, right? At which point, right, okay, huddle, What's, what do we think the likelihood is? What's our assessment of it? And what's our plans? And in my mind, that should all ultimately be led out of the centre, right? It should be led out of the centre, but of course it should draw in on. So where is this happening? It's happening in Croydon, right? Let's pick up the phone to the man in Croydon or the woman in Croydon. And of course, this is part of the problem. They've only just begun to introduce these neighbourhood superintendents. So let's say we picked up the phone to the neighbourhood superintendent for Croydon. I couldn't even tell you who it is, by the way. You know, even after this saga, I, I couldn't tell you who that is. It's not Andy Britton. Andy Britton will have some superintendents taking care of the boroughs that he oversees, but I couldn't tell you who they are. I doubt anyone could without a proper little FOI into the Met to find out. Um, uh, you know, but that that's what should, in my view, that's what they should have been doing. There should have been a huddle at the centre with comms people, with then that input from the local to say, well, actually in Croydon, I don't know, we had a death in custody or death following police contact in the last week or two, so there'll be this thing for us to consider happened in this particular neighborhood where i don't know last night there was disorder so we might want to factor that into our like plans and our considerations and stuff and of course the point is too this isn't just about the comms either right because if they're screwing the comms up if they're screwing the comms up what guarantee is that they're getting the operational policing piece right you know that so often the response to these incidents is obviously lacking on comms but what are they actually doing on the ground you know, have have they basically said, oh, well, let's just not do any, let's just not do any traffic, uh, any fare evasion operations in Croydon for the next three months? You know, is, is that is, is that what they've decided? Or are they going, actually, we need to, we, we need to keep this drumbeat. And actually, we should be communicating the fact that we will continue with these operations. There is one organisation that probably deals with this daily, and we don't hear a peep, and that's BTP. I assume they must come across hundreds of fare evaders every day. Why? Why hasn't why why is why is this not happening to BTP? What what's the difference here? Because I, I imagine it's their bread and butter. It's a good question. I mean, I suppose there's a degree to which uh, I mean, it, it, and in fairness, I th- I think it, it all comes down to the video, right? It's that momentary thing of has someone got a nice clip for social media? Now that could happen anywhere. So I don't think this. I don't think it's that this couldn't happen to BTP or wouldn't happen to BTP. I think BTP, you you would you would imagine that BTP would have their lines around why fare evasion is a problem much more nailed on than the Met has, right? Because this is part of why BTP exists. It's you know part of their reason detra is is to deal with crime and disorder on certainly the rail network. Um, I think at the, at the same time, BTP of course is like a non geographic kind of entity, right? So in a sense, it's you know in a sense it's kind of less of a it's maybe it's less of a target maybe there's less kind of you know there's less visibility of it as a as an entity there's probably going to be more visibility of it now that this has happened and certainly the met making a hash of this won't have helped btp when if and when something like this pops up on a btp kind of um 
sort of setting. And and I think too that the ticket inspector. I mean, this is the other thing, as you you mentioned already, the, the the ticket or revenue inspectors that work on the rail and bus and other networks. You know, what do they take from this? So, do the Met have my back or not? You know, I'm expected to go up against some pretty horrible people, and I'm not saying this woman is a horrible person at all. But like, you know, some of the people that ticket and revenue inspectors deal with are truly pretty horrific individuals, um, and so. That is one of the reasons the police are there with them. So uh, if I'm a revenue inspector, do I just let it all slide? Do I just only ask the 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 polite looking people, whoever I think they might be? Um, do I do I only ask them for a ticket? Um, you know, this all becomes quite corrosive quite quickly. Um, and, 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 and for all of these reasons, I think, you know, this is this is something that the Met really need to start getting right. And as I as I was going to say earlier, you know, 10 or 11 months into a turnaround and they don't to my understanding, they don't even have a chief communications officer, or at least one is on the way out and one's on the way in. I mean, 10 or 11 months into a turnaround and you don't even have a chief comms person. What's that about? You know, to, to me, you know, if, if we're going to talk about basics, right, if you're going to turn an organisation around, you need to get the right people on the bus. And I, de- I mean, to keep the bus analogy, and hopefully they've all, hopefully they've all got a ticket and hopefully they all know where they're going, right? Like, you know, you don't, <laughs> you know, anyway, I mean, we're going on about buses. The bus metaphor is going to stick now for, for a long time. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I often hear that the Met's a super tanker and, you know, we can't expect change overnight and we can't expect this and it's a super tanker, it's a super tanker. Maybe, maybe the better metaphor is a bus. Maybe the Met is a bus and, you know, some people, they can't even decide whether to have tickets. They don't know where they're going. They don't even know why they're inspecting tickets on the bus. You know, there's, there's so much in this. There's so much in this one incident that I think, you know, there should be real learnings from and there should be real action from. It's similar to the work we're doing in Hanwell. There's, a, there's just there's you only need to look at the Met in microcosm to see some of the challenges. And as I say, you know, rapidly approaching the first anniversary of the, com- the new commissioner, um, I think there's they they need to start putting their foot down. I, I was this is what I was going to come on to next because if you look at your work in Hanwell, Help for Hanwell, which the foundation is championing, in in ultimately what it's doing is just holding policing, local policing, accountable for significant issues which impact on the community's lifestyles and the what they see and what they witness as they walk around. Now, policing in the past few years has been very reactive. It hasn't had the capability, nor the will, nor the drive to be proactive in terms of being in the community, speaking to people, having sometimes difficult and courageous conversations around people not doing the right thing. The bus ticket thing is an example of the police being highly visible, a deterrent and being able to enforce the laws and support other government agencies. My worry is, as part of the Met's new plan, is to become more proactive, to be in the communities, to fight crime, you know, more trust, more confidence, all that sort of stuff is really important. But if we're out there having more of these conversations, we're going to have more of these incidents. More people are going to have their backs up that the police are having conversations with them, either in a positive light or a negative light. And I think this just demonstrates probably the weakness in the armour of the police into, into the MPS in terms of the comms piece around being able to explain what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we set out to achieve. This is why we've done it. Nothing's happened here. Everyone can move along quite happily. If the lady wishes to make a complaint independently, she's more than welcome to do so. However, at this stage, we are not making a mountain out of a molehill. It's been put to bed. Thank you very much for your interest. Good night. And just and that's it. Done. Gone. Do not give anybody any opportunity or legroom or wriggle room to talk about something that just is not there to talk about. So, And that moves me on to Hanwell in terms of the work you're doing for the, with the foundation is we're going to have these incidents where officers are going to have to start having more conversations with people that are having a difficult time, that are homeless, that are you know committing crime. You know They're going to start engaging with people that urinate in public and dealing drugs. You know Conversations they probably haven't been able to have for quite some time because they've been so busy and under the pump responding to 99 because they haven't had the support and the backing of the hierarchy that is changing or is allegedly going to change and i think we're already starting to see changes in hanwell from the efforts and the spotlight you've shone on that do you, you agree with that with that opinion that we may see more of these isolated incidents where people then pick up a camera and film their interactions yeah look i think it's inevitable i mean i t- probably almost not quite 10 years ago i was out at a policing conference and i think it was the head of the then the then head of the Chicago Police Department said he was asked, I think, in an interview, you know, what is the what is the biggest thing that's, you know, biggest change in policing or biggest threat or biggest like what's the biggest thing in policing? And he, he said the smartphone. This was like, I don't know, nearly nearly 10 years ago. He said the smartphone. 
He said everyone has a camera now. And, you know, that that poses all sorts of issues for all the reasons you'd imagine, right? Like, on one hand, it increases accountability because, you know, you can film the cops doing whatever it is the cops are doing. On another level, does it eat into discretion? Does it, you know, does it does it does it risk only showing a snapshot of things, et cetera, et cetera? And, and he was on the money with that. And I think the Met still haven't really woken up to it, I don't think. You know, they, they know that these videos happen, but then what they seem to think is that it's enough to then issue a statement that, frankly, I think often sounds more like a statement of appeasement, an appeasement to, you know, those who are jumping up and down on any particular issue. You know, if, if, if someone's jumping up and down, they'll just issue a statement that sort of appeases them, and then they'll talk about listening, and, and, and they sort of imagine that that just causes it to sort of eventually go away. Without without appreciating the, the stats you gave earlier, you know, this video will have been seen millions and millions and millions and millions of times. And essentially, in the absence of any sort of strong position from the Met, you end up, I think, you end up basically just falling into whichever camp you already are. So you either end up just thinking, well, my God, how weak, how terrible, how awful, how just God. I'm moving out of London. I'm like, I don't know, going to relocate my business out of London. I'm going to, you know, just, you know, leave London. Um and on the other hand, on the other hand, it's it's yeah, here you go. This that this is them. They're racist. They're this. They're misogynist. They're this. They're this, that, and the other. And you know, we need less police, not more. Um, and and and, and so the police, they don't seem to have woken up to the fact that they are in the midst of a battle here, a battle for their very existence, honestly. And you know, I think um, some former recently retired chief constables talked about how, you know, policing has been dragged into culture wars. No, 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 no. Policing hasn't been dragged into culture wars. Policing is in the middle of it. It should be an impartial umpire in the middle of it, but it's in the middle of it. Be under no illusion. There are people who would love still to defund you, abolish you, tie your hands behind your back. You know, they might not want criminals getting handcuffed, but they'd love to see every copper handcuffed. They'd love to see every copper's hands tied behind their backs, unable to fight crime and disorder. And so, yeah, that, that, that there seems to be a, a real lack of that sort of strategic awareness of just what's going on. I think we also, you know, based on past appointments to the sort of chief comms type roles, you know, they often come from like, you know, central government, you know, you know, I don't know Department of, I don't know. I think the last one came from Her Majesty's Revenue or His Majesty's now Revenue and Customs. Well, I guess there's a law enforcement read across to policing. But when was the last time HMRC really were in the news, were really um, engaged in like high stakes kind of stuff? You know, re like really, I think I, th I think literally that comparison is is I, I just don't, I, I don't really see the relatability. But then if all you're wanting to do is put out press releases and you think that the best thing is just to always try and just, you know, appease and calm the people who might be jumping up and down, I just inevitably they're doomed to sort of repeat that. So, yeah, I think um, I think leadership is the the real issue uh that's you know i don't know if, if i think andy Britton actually was quite restrained in his uh assessment of of what had gone on i think it's a shame he placed at least in the clip that the bbc put out you know he placed so much emphasis on you know the big issue now being to find this woman well you know as you say oliver you know she knows it was her that this all happened to if she wants to make a complaint she's more than welcome i don't know i don't know why now there is some desperate sort of you know hunt to find this woman um you know, she might be quite like, my God, mortified I'm on this video and everyone's going mental about it. I'd rather not be involved in anything. Why are you trying to find me? <laughs> you know, I'd rather just get on with my life. Um, so so it's all a bit muddled. It's all um, quite disappointing. Um, as I say, I'm just glad that the men and women on the front line are still, um, a lot of them still doing the right things and keeping on keeping on. Um, you know, the inevitable question, of course, is how how much longer can they keep keeping on when they just don't seem to get the support? And I, you know, just to dwell on my own past experience, I remember a particular stop and search with a young lad. He was a black teenager. And I remember, you know, if that had been filmed, I don't think it was. But if it had been filmed, there'd have been people screaming, he, did, he, he didn't do anything, leave him alone. He hasn't done anything. You know, lo and behold, he's got a kitchen knife in his waistband. And I and I do remember afterwards thinking to myself, you know, if he pulls this out and you know stabs himself, rips open his blooming femoral artery or something, and then I'm, I'm you know white Met officer, it'd be reduced to that, wouldn't it? White male Met officer stood over you know dead black teenager, and I'm I'm the one who caused it because I dared to use my stop and search powers. Um, you know that 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 was a moment where I thought, blimey, you know, this job, you are a lightning rod, a, a real lightning rod, and 
th- this to me, the fact that this is a bus fare evasion, this isn't, you know, nobody's injured. You know, there's no, there's no sort of serious, you know, there's no serious harm has come from this. This is, this is a fairly straightforward bread and butter job. And yet the response has been so woeful. It does make you wonder, well, so if I am, if I am the next officer to, um, you know, need to use lethal force, you know, in firearms, or if I'm the next officer who's, I don't know, cutting someone down in custody, who's like, you know, trying to string themselves up or something, you know, if I'm the next officer, that I think will weigh on people's minds. Um, and, the, and the fact that the comms don't seem to give any recognition to that, they don't seem to offer those officers who, who were there in Croydon any kind of support or encouragement or, you know, nothing at all. I mean, uh, you know, and so I'm sure some would resist this idea that they've been thrown under the bus. But the fact that so many people are reading it that way, I think, I mean, makes it so, right? Even if their intent wasn't to throw officers under the bus, that's the perception that exists. And and just as you'd want to challenge any other uh, misperception, if it is a misperception, then th- they should be challenging it. And so, again, you know, that you know that there's still time for them to to make some sort of statement. But again, I, I doubt they will. The next we'll hear is that the IOPC have, I don't know, they're asking for the officers' phones. They're going to scan the officers' phones to investigate whether you know, who, like, who, you know, where where does this go next, right? So they'll scan the phones. Yeah, they'll scan the phones and they'll find that I don't know. One of them liked a tweet by Bill Bratton about you know fare evasion on the New York subway and how it got crime down. Oh well, you know, that, yeah, heaven forbid you 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 might support crime fighting. Um, it, it's slightly hyperbolic, I know, but I. I I do just think to myself, you know, what what are these officers to make, and who even has spoken to the? I mean, this is the other thing, right? Who who actually has spoken to these officers about uh, what they're going through, you know? And maybe you know, this might be the tenth time this has happened where they've had a typical thing and it's all gone, you know, and nobody's had the bottle to just deal with it, and, and you know, so this might be water off a duck's back. Of course, it might, but you know, if it's a if it's a younger in service officer, they're probably going, what on earth? I guess if I want to get to my pensionable age, I will do less of this. I mean, that's not healthy. Well, that's it. And that's the fear. No, that's the fear is the fear that they will say, well, why? What? Why am I bothering? What? Why should I engage with people if this is going to be the reaction day in, day out? Because there is only so much an individual can take of this level of scrutiny um, in terms of, you know, them being on social media and then it's suddenly becoming a, a storm and, and being dragged into very senior officers' offices and saying, right, crikey, what have you caused here? I haven't caused anything. I'm just doing what you asked me to do, supporting, you know, another government organisation, enforce a series of quite appropriate and applicable laws, and it's and it's all gone pear-shaped, which I, I wanted to spot, round this out with a final point, if I can, is that, Another one of my tweets, which went a little bit sort of viral in terms of views, was, and I know it's only coming up to his 12-month anniversary, and I know opportunity has got to be important in terms of allowing somebody to get their feet under the desk and make the changes. I just worry. I don't think we are where we thought we would be in terms of when Samart Rally took over, if I'm honest. It doesn't appear we are. Like In terms of this new plan, in terms of, you know, st- still frontline officers being left isolated, not believing that, you know, they're supported. You know, it's you hear some horror stories. And I, I, I am a, a reasonably big fan of Stephen Watson up at GMP and, I, you know, what he's done in terms of turning around forces and, and you know, he's moved into his current position I've questioned whether Sir Mark Rowley is the right person for the job now, um, whether or not he's just nodding to the Mayor of London in terms of what he wants, because I'm afraid I don't believe the Mayor of London is a fan of policing. He's a human rights lawyer by trade. I don't think that equally is um, conducive with, with policing and enforcing laws. Um, and I just wonder whether whether someone like Stephen Watson would would treat this differently yeah I mean I suppose as a final round out myself I guess I would say um before I get to that I think I would say that there's a lot of talk in these statements the Met have issued around you know listening and community and all this stuff and yeah it's important but of course who are you actually listening to when when you say you're listening to community who have you actually got in the room because let's be honest right when the Met listens it's not it's not um it's not it's not getting a representative sample of Londoners. It's not getting a, a, a representative sample even of victims of crime in London. It, it's literally getting people who have, for various reasons, either have a particular interest in this or have a particular agenda around this. 
Um, and so for me, there's something here where not only will the front line feel let down by what's gone on, not only will TfL's ticket inspectors be worried about uh, how they seemingly have been let down too, but there will also be a lot of Londoners going, dear my, my God, right? It's not that they don't just turn up to burglaries. It's not just that they don't deal with shop theft. It's not just that they don't deal with X, Y, and Z. They can't even now, you know, in terms of the comms and stuff, they can't even defend themselves for doing a relatively simple fare evasion. You know, a lot of Londoners end up paying an awful lot of money for their season tickets, their travel cards, their day passes, their bus hoppers, you know, the fare, the ticketing complex, right? But a lot of money, a lot, you know, a lot of Londoners spend a lot of money on their fares and they quite rightly think it's only fair that other people pay. And 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 the risk here is that the Met, even, even as they think, even as they think they are like appeasing the community, what they are in fact doing is only further alienating themselves from the vast majority of people who want the Mets to succeed, who want Sir Mark Rowley to su- succeed, who want their neighbourhoods to be safe and so on. So for, for me, that's like probably the final point I'd make. On, on the personalities of it all, I think um, I think there there is clearly, I think, a kind of deficit at the minute between where the Met, in many people's eyes, could and should be and where it is. You know, I don't envy him the the challenge of navigating what is a complex sort of minefield of 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 agendas, issues, and personalities. But I mean, dearie me, if if we're not, you know, fast. So if 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 we're near enough at the one year anniversary, if we're no further forward, another year on from here, I I don't really see how it's tenable to continue. We've obviously got a general election looming too, you know. Who knows? All bets are off. I mean, I wouldn't if, if, if Paddy Power or other betting providers and none of them I'd endorse or encourage. But if you know, if, if there was a bet on at the minute for who, who, and when the next commissioner might be coming along, I, 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 I wouldn't want to place a bet to be honest. Um, and and to your point about who might be better or how might that work, I think um, there is this fundamental. I've t- I think we talked about it in our last episode where we spoke. I, I think there is an issue of trying to ride two horses here of having to have the mayor on one hand and have the home secretary on the other um you know and as you say one of them perhaps is not so much of a natural friend to policing as the other well it's been a, a great little episode there talking about the challenges that uh, have come from what is an incredibly minor incident um and and hopefully uh, the met will find a way through it they, they should definitely find a way through it. if they can't find a way through this we're in a bit of a pickle um, but listen, thank you ever so much for your insights, Rory. Uh, reminding everyone to obviously follow you on Twitter and the Public Safety Foundation's got a very active website. You're putting out regular newsletters and all the work that you're doing and help for Hanwell with public meetings and events and, 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 and have, holding a level of accountability to, to local policing management teams, which is critically important in ensuring the, um, the mission is achieved in less crime, more trust and higher standards for policing. So thank you very much for your time this morning. It's been a pleasure, Ollie keep up the excellent podcast thank you speak soon this podcast is brought to you by the public safety foundation the public safety foundation and its supporters are on a mission to make the uk the safest place to live work and raise a family this crime fighting mission is one that many of protect and serves guests have contributed to find out more and join those already supporting the foundation's mission by visiting publicsafetyfoundation.uk. Protect and Serve is an independent podcast hosted, produced and edited by Oliver Lawrence.